Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Pin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadgets. For all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories. Go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, cooler, and lighter. Go to pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company. Draw your heart and soft bait needs. Go to the 153angler.com. Now let's join our special guest around the campfire. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur. Your host, of course, Brad Hurlbus. And tonight we've got on two special guests. We have Andrean Bradabal with Rad Lights and Brian Rush with Rush Custom Callers. And we'll bring them right in. And we're going to be talking predator hunting tonight. How are you, how are you doing, guys? Uh, doing good. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thanks for having us. Good and doing good. I think it's going to be a real fun episode. This is the first episode that's ever really focused around predator hunting on my podcast. And my podcast is really about all types of hunting, different traditions have revolved with them and everything else. So I'm real excited to get you guys on and talk about a completely different aspect of the hunting world. Don't all talk at once, though. <laughs> Say that again? Yeah. Don't well, all talk at once, Brian. Oh, geez. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, was, it was really exciting to have the invite to come out and just, you know, uh, BS with a bunch of good like-minded people. I'm looking forward to it. This guy's a genius. So I'm just I'm an amateur. <laughs> we we uh we actually had a contest this past weekend, and the uh, no wind chill, but the ambient air temperature was negative 22 on my truck, and we were out till about five in the morning Friday night into Saturday. Nope. Well, Brian, I had another uh, New York incident. It was three to about three to six degrees all weekend, and I hunted the last <laughs> two weekends actually. So I I had the old uh, 
icicles on the beard like up oh, in New yeah, York yeah. a couple the, the, years. The, the yeah. wintertime fr- the wintertime face coat just felt like it was gonna snap right off your mm. right off of your chin. <laughs> it, it was it was, brutal. it was brutal. Yeah, I mean it's cold here tonight in Wisconsin. Um we're supposed to get down to seventeen. That it's uh, a balmy it was a balmy thirty two here. Yeah that uh that Friday night negative twenty two and then the next night it was uh low single digits and it was we were laughing about it it's like it's 30 degrees warmer tonight like it felt like a heat wave <laughs> didn't oh, get above zero but i'm ready for my shorts yeah we uh we, we had a good time though you know just you know some of those contests that we do um especially a couple of them we, we're out predator hunting so much and yeah there's uh there, there, there's financial motive. There is a prize. There is a cash prize. But in a lot of these contests, we're going to be out hunting. We're going to be doing it anyways. If we didn't do it, if we didn't enjoy it, we wouldn't do it. But man, just the camaraderie that we have of outdoorsmen, like-minded people, the houndsmen that hunt, the trappers that hunt, the guys that treat it like a white-tailed deer hunt, and they're just bundled up sitting over a bait pile all night. Um, you know, all walks of life, but that camaraderie that we have when we go to that weigh in and we tell the stories, we have the fun, we crack a beer, we get to just chat with good, like-minded people. It's, uh, it's, it's gratifying and fun just to, you know, share, share those stories with that same mentality. I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about. I haven't done any of the predator, the predator stuff like that, but I've done plenty of fishing tournaments from kayaks to actual bass boat tournaments. Oh yeah. 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 It's it's the same thing at the end of the day. I mean, you're out there, you're, you're fishing for a reason. You're fishing to try to win. Right. I mean, I'd be out fishing anyways, just kind of like you, but at, but when it's all said and done and everybody's sitting around talking, just having a good time. I mean, it's, it's just nice to be around. Like you said, like-minded people sharing stories. Yeah, reflecting on the reflecting on the weekend for you or the the day tournament or you know weekend tournament some of the stuff for us. I mean, it's just a good time at the end of the day. Oh, for sure. Tell tell all the frostbite stories. <laughs> <laughs> or getting attacked by a raccoon. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I don't know what he was doing. I was ready to shoot that fox, and he uh, <laughs> he come out of left field and said, "Not today, son." He uh yeah he ran right underneath our legs and and the fox ran away so uh, it's funny it was funny Dwayne was telling me that story earlier today and I had the same thing happen in uh, Kansas last week when I was out there and I had eyes on the raccoon in the thermal and I just kept calling and calling watching the body language and like well, I'm just going to record him and had a good old time with this raccoon next thing I know I couldn't I could not cant my gun on the tripod any lower. And I couldn't focus any closer. He was he was so close that he was out of out of focus. And I actually had to stomp my feet and almost kick him to get away from me. I thought he was going to crawl up my leg. <laughs> That's awesome. That I mean, fun. those are the sto- those are the stories that you just don't get unless you're going out in the field, right? I mean, that's like that. That's to me, it's that that whole experience and that experience right there is the best part about it. Oh, well, they say if it if it's video or picture, it didn't happen. Well. It's going to be on a YouTube channel for uh, South uh, Central Pennsylvania outdoorsmen here in the next couple of days. He he got it crawling right underneath my tripod, right by his boot, and uh, yeah, just kept on walking. I don't know where he was going. He didn't know either. <laughs> so. 
So, I mean, I mean, this is going to be a predator hunting episode. So we, let's just jump right into it. Like for all my, I don't know how many of my listeners have ever been involved in predator hunting or actually look to see what's going on. Cause I mean, the deer hunters, every time they see a coyote, it turns into a coyote hunt, right? Oh, Stuff like that. But we're talking tripods here. And some people are going to be like, what are you guys even talking about? Like, I don't think people are re- like, like I know my setup right now is I'm running night vision with a rad lights that I two pro. And then I'm running, a, I think it's a 36 millimeter ball head on what's basically essentially a camera tripod. Yeah. That'll get it done. Yeah. And so for the people out there that don't know, like when you're hunting, especially at night, we're standing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, uh, uh, I mean, Dwayne, chime in at any time with this, but um, I'm a. I think I had to teach you that, didn't I, Brian? <laughs> the one you thing know, that we, uh, I did teach you. <laughs> I, I I didn't have a tripod at the time, and you know we, we were we were trying to pull you know t- topographical features in our advantage with uh, with bipods, and it would produce. It didn't produce the numbers, but you, you got to have a tripod. Night night nighttime, it's 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 a hundred percent necessity to have that elevation point of view. Of, uh, and you have to scan nonstop. Nonstop. Like your no. like your buddies had to learn from me too because no, yeah. we had four of us and I was the only one that seen the coyote. Yeah. And light lights and, on. Light lights not on. Not, no, you no probably ran right by your buddies. Yep. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they did. <laughs> Something hit that fence hard. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He said, "I can't see it." I said, "Well, it's right there." I said, "You got to stand when you're nighttime hunting." Oh, 100%. They can't, they can't see you, so you might as well just stand up. You know, that's um, running, um, you know, not, not not to take away from Dwayne with the lights, but, you know, we're, we're running thermals at night, and we've, we've obtained so much trigger discipline to not shoot and observe and watch and listen and react to the body language and see what the animal does. We've busted every old wives tale in the book on where to stand in a full moon, how to hunt the coyote in a full moon. Uh, Coyotes have closer to like 80, 20 vision. So at 20 feet, the object looks closer to 80 feet. Which, which sounds completely hypocritical because it's such a cagey animal, but it picks up on movement and it's solely picking up on that movement in that um, survival instinct. And those two things at nighttime, that animal has such a false sense of security in the dark and busting those old wives tales of standing in the shade you got a full moon snow on the ground you can look at your buddy right next to you and have a conversation with him like it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon you can see his facial features you would think you should conceal yourself we'll walk out into the middle of a cut cornfield full moon snow on the ground find an elevation and we'll still call coyotes to 100 yards with, with with no problems and you know when i when i run the game calling seminars that i've done in the past I'm always explicit in telling an audience, if it happens once, consider it a variable. Don't ever forget about the variable because it could always happen again. 
But when you do something over and over and over and over, you gather so much statistical validity with the fact that it's not broke, don't fix it, keep doing it. Don't forget about that variable because it could happen again. So I bring that up to an audience to, to be explicit in the fact we didn't just do this one time. We're doing this on the regular. So that approach of full moon, the animal's actual vision, picking up on movement, as long as you're not doing jumping jacks in the middle of the field, you have a diligent approach. It's not cornflakes on the ground. It's not crunchy as heck. You can get out there. You can cut the distance, find that elevation, get away from the rolls of the hill. You feel naked, but that animal has such a false sense of security in the dark that it's it's an absolute game changer if you're willing to put forth the effort to think you're going to screw up and oh my god it worked and just keep doing it and the same goes for lights i mean you got that once that light is on the animal if you don't ever take the light off i mean you know what it looks like when you look in a flashlight you can't see behind it so it's the same with the animal will you spook animals with lights if they're educated to it yes um coming on and off of the animal a lot will spook them. So <clears throat> while I'm hunting, you know, I'm scanning with my headlight when I get eyes and I ID that it's most likely a predator, I bring my gun over, but I don't turn the light on while it's like aimed at it. So I aim high, aim low, aim to the left, turn the light on, bring that one while my headlight is still on the animal and then turn my headlight off. And then I don't ever take the light off the animal unless he moves on his own and I lose him, which at that point it doesn't matter. But he can't see behind you um, while you're standing, you know, out in the middle of a field. He's not going to see behind that light. And that makes sense. I mean, at that point, you're also using the light for your concealment. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, if you watch, I mean, there's some YouTube channels out there that show that very, very well, that that coyotes that are not educated, but two lights, like you said, that they will just still keep coming hard right into a light. Yep. And, oh, uh, sure. I mean, there's guys, uh, what is it, the night crew, they do the, the white lights in Texas. But Texas is a state that I'm pretty sure you cannot spot light for deer. So they don't know what a white light is. Where in Pennsylvania, you got spotters that go out and spot for deer and if you know there's a coyote they kind of just they recognize the white it's not impossible to kill one with a white light but red is definitely your go-to that makes sense i mean and geographical location different laws pertaining to what you can and can't do at night will all change this as well i mean i just want to make like like for the listeners out there just make sure that you actually look at your game regulations to know what you can and can't do at night or if night hunting is even allowed in your area. I mean, every area is different. So I don't want to make anybody, like this isn't just a blanket statement of they're doing this in Texas. You can do it in Wisconsin because you can't do it in Wisconsin. Right. You, you know, we went out um, uh, Kansas and Kansas, Missouri, and Pennsylvania. Uh, and Dwayne's from Pennsylvania. Uh, in the past two years, have now allowed the use of artificial light gathering scopes, night vision, and thermal equipment. So that yep, those regulations year. are brand new to those states. And 
recently when I went from Texas to Kansas and I was just out there, uh, geez, a week or two ago, um, uh, got my non-resident hunting license and I also had to pay, it, it was only $2 and 50 cents, but I'm totally fine with that. It's $2 and 50 cents for me to purchase. I believe it was called the Kansas night vision permit. And that allowed me to hunt with my thermal um, in the state of Kansas, but you have to hunt on private permission grounds only. So there's there's the, the WEHA program in Kansas. WEHA, W-I-H-A, stands for walk-in hunting area. So basically, simplifying this, government pays landowner a stipend to allow walk-in hunting, and it allows... Uh, private land to become public land uh, for an allotted season and allotted time frame for specific species of animals. Uh, they can put regulations on it, shot shell only, archery only. Um, so you just have to look at the regulation, but you, you can't use that uh, nocturnal permit on Weehaw properties. It's strictly only private permission. And fortunately, I have plenty of family in Kansas, so it was worth, worth taking the time and taking the trip when we were passing through to you know, exhaust the time, energy, and effort to do it. And we, we, we were successful. We had a great time. That's awesome. And it's nice. I mean, I don't have a problem with paying a little bit more for a license as long as it opens up more opportunities. Absolutely. And, you know, like a, like a state like Kansas that treats their big game herd like a cash crop. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to down talk my state, but I, I I live in New York and I'm always explicit and I always tell people I live in upstate New York. I, I don't live in the <laughs> concrete jungle. You can walk out my back door. There's woods. There's agriculture. It's it's not downstate. I live in upstate New York, and our uh, our 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 regulations here. Not many people. I I think I think I'd be safe in saying this. If you lived in the Midwest, you're not coming to New York to hunt deer. <laughs> so being a resident of New York, it's very attractive to us to go to the Midwest to hunt a species of animal that's actually considered a cash crop for, for that state. <laughs> and when it's treated like a cash crop, yeah, you're going to expect to pay for something like what it's called the uh the 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 kansas night vision permit um it associates my name on paper and now there's a paper trail associated with my name and it leads me to believe it's to help protect their cash crop something sure. as simple as that and it's, it's just a way to keep people honest yeah, I mean, like Wisconsin's got some interesting regulations when it comes to night hunting. Um, we're not allowed to we're not allowed to shine with a light. Okay. We can we only can use a light to ID a target at point of kill, which means you already have to know an animal's there. Right. So, like for me, when I was because I never really got it, like I never had a night a nighttime setup other than basically a flashlight and I would hunt moonlight, and as soon as yeah, I would you, see movement, I could hit it with a light. Right, but until I saw that movement, I couldn't. So it wasn't until this a uh, couple months ago I decided to take this dive, and I'm like, all right, what's the cheapest way for me to get a most effective night hunting setup for my state? And that was going with, I went with a Wraith two by sixteen night vision with the Rad's IR light, 
and yeah. I went with an AGM TM160 thermal monocular because I can scan with thermal because it is a, doesn't use a light. It doesn't project a beam of light. You know, and it's, it's kind of like, uh, if you guys know the answer to this, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it, it's the same thing in Vermont, if I'm not mistaken. You can't hunt at night with anything that projects a beam of light, but you can use night vision, but technically your IR projects a beam of light, so you're legally bound to not use an IR with your night vision in Vermont. That's just leading to mistakes and species misidentification and nothing good to happen written by legislation that like right. that, that, that that's a recipe for disaster. See, and I can use IR once I know there's a target there. So that AGM, that TM160, not the greatest thermal, probably the most entry-level thermal there is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all I need to do is see a heat signature move or come into picture. And then I yeah. can throw on that bright IR light in my scope. And from that point on, it's legal because right. I knew an animal was there. So and, and can, you, know you, do, that, you, can that, you do the same is, with red? You can do the same with red as long yeah. as you're scanning with, we're not scanning with a light. Yeah, and, and, and that's... Um... That is a huge, huge gray area of discretion if anything were ever questioned by any form of law enforcement. That, 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 that's tough. That's really tough. And that's why I went with the thermal. That's why I went, I mean, it doesn't matter what light, but that's why I wanted to make sure I had some sort of thermal because then I can say I'm using this to scan. Because there's people oh, that yeah. are like, well, well, I can just say I thought I saw something and I can turn my light on and turn it off and turn my light on and turn it off and turn man that's a gray area i, I know what you're saying but yeah it's going to be really warden interpretation and i yeah. couldn't believe it when you told me that story <laughs> yeah that's not um, any sense to me it's that's, usually that, either you can tough. or you can't use light <laughs> yeah so i mean it, you just you can use it at point of, but i mean that is nice i mean at least i have the ability to use a light i mean because yeah. like in vermont you're saying you can't even technically use a light at all you know unless something changed between now sure. and the last time that i stepped foot in vermont and you know me not hunting in vermont but with you know colleagues and friends of mine that were hunting actively in vermont and they told me this and it, I, I just kind of shook my head thinking you're allowed to use thermal you're allowed to use night vision and but you're not allowed to use anything that projects a beam of light but under definition your ir is projecting a beam right that, that's that's a recipe for disaster. Does it say that you can't project a beam of light that is visible? No. It's under definition. Hmm. Uh, I mean, every state just has their right. quirks, I yeah. guess. I mean, Pennsylvania, yeah. you can hunt you can hunt coyotes 365 days a year. You can hunt fox, raccoons, skunks, all your other fur taker stuff from mid-October till mid-February, yep. but you cannot hunt raccoons, skunks, possums on Sundays, but you can <laughs> trap and kill them on Sundays. <laughs> so, I mean, at midnight on Saturday, technically, if you're out hunting and you have a raccoon in your trip, you should probably take it all the way home, even if you're an hour away. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just uh, weird laws. Yeah. 
That's you, I always wonder, stuff. I'd always love to know where those date back to. Like, what's the reason for those specific species? You can't hunt them on Sundays. Like, what? Like, I'd love to know the reasons. Oh, for, yeah, well, I mean, know, no, go, go ahead, Dwayne. Uh, well, Maryland's another one. Maryland is overrun with fox. Um, and you can't, their season is from November 1st till February or January 31st. Um, so their season is shorter than ours, but they cannot hunt fox on Sundays, but they can hunt deer on Sundays. The, the no Sunday hunting blows my mind because there's nothing like that in Wisconsin. Like, if the season's open, it doesn't matter what day it is. Like, we don't yeah, post yeah, seasons yeah. on same, a certain same day. Thing in New York. You, you yeah, know, we can't hunt deer on Sundays either. You can't on Sunday. Only they, they started doing three Sundays a year. You told so, me that. That's right. Yeah. Um, archery season ends, and that last Sunday you can hunt. The next weekend is bear season you can hunt on a sunday and then the first sunday in deer rifle season so deer used to come in rifle season used to come in on the monday after thanksgiving now it comes in the saturday after thanksgiving but you can hunt saturday sunday monday all the way till next saturday and the following sunday you can't hunt gotcha Jeez, you know we um we 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 have we have uh just a stone throw west of here. We have a high Amish population, and there's a lot of Amish tracts of land that we hunt on. And it actually worked out really well for us going to the, going to Amish farms, introducing ourselves to the landowners, letting them look through our scopes, and they're just fascinated with the thermal technology. And we get we give every every landowner we step foot on. I give the same disclaimer too. It's not our property. We'll treat it like it's our own. By no means do we give anybody else permission to hunt your land. It's going to be us, us alone, with your blessing if somebody can accompany us only while we're present. And we will never step foot on your property on Sundays because Amish, the, the Amish uh, Mennonite as well, I believe, religion is their, their day of rest being on Sunday. And soon as soon as they hear that we won't step foot on their property on a Sunday, that goes, that goes a long ways, you know, on their yep. day of rest that we won't, that we won't encroach on. I, I always, I live near a lot of Amish and Mennonite and I always leave it up to them. Some, some of the Mennonites, they're more relaxed. Um, yeah. So oh, yeah, and they sure. want them gone because of their deer. So they yep. don't care about Sundays. Um, some say no Sunday night, but like if I come, if I'm out hunting Saturday night and it turns into Sunday, you know, as long as I'm gone but by daylight, right, um, right, right, right. You know, right. Sunday morning they're good. Um, yeah. I always just leave it up to them. I'm like, it's your land. I will follow whatever rules. You know, oh, no during deer season, whatever you guys want. Of course, you know. Then we go back to the one landowner at the end of the season and tell him we took a half a dozen coyotes or a dozen coyotes or two or three off of the one property, and they're they're always ecstatic. They're always ecstatic trying to you know knock numbers down when we legally can because new york we have uh basically six months out of the year october 1st until the last sunday of march so october november december january february almost damn near the full month of march is half of the year and then for the rest of the year it's completely closed daytime and nighttime but your fox season is much shorter yeah our fox season is uh 
I can't quite remember when that starts. Mid-October? It, it, it really coincides with yours. Oh, I think it's a week after ours. Uh, yeah, something like that. And then it closes like second week of second, third week of February, something like that. Yeah. Some, something real close to that. That's real similar to our fox season here. Um, I don't remember the dates correctly off the top of my head, but coyotes are unprotected. 365 right. day or night. Doesn't matter in Wisconsin. Yeah. Skunk, possum, the devil spawn, um, those as well. Um, now I can't think of their actual name because uh, I always call them a devil spawn. <laughs> what, is, what is that? I was going to say yeah, that. Oh, I'm a porcupine? Bird, I'm a bird hunter, man. I mean, those are the spawn of the devil when it comes to a dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. No, yeah, we, we uh, geez, we, we don't have too much of an unprotected, but yeah, uh, woodchuck, um, porcupine, red squirrel, chipmunks, I mean, basically varmints. Sure. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Dwayne, why don't, before, because I know you're a little more time crunched here with work, because yeah, you're, work, you're, work, you're a working man tonight. Yep, I'm in the truck, with life <laughs> of a truck driver. You can see my nice, comfy digs that I get to sleep in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you got going on with Rad Lights? Uh, well, um, when I got into the predator hunting game, which was about seven years ago, eight years ago now, uh, I started out slow, you know, went with people, saw what they use, looked them up, saw how pricey a flashlight can be. Uh, I'm a budget hunter. I don't buy top-of-the-line stuff. My first uh, light for my gun was literally a $10 eBay light from China. Um, I bought two of them, one mounted to the gun. The other one I zip-tied to the mesh part of a truck driver hat, and that was my scan light. Um, and it worked. I could see like 50 yards. Um, didn't really ever see much. Um, I was starting to think fox and coyotes were a myth. Uh, never seen one deer hunting. Never uh, never seen them deer hunting. Never seen them when I went out after them. <clears throat> um, uh, about three seasons went by. Now I'm talking I went out three times a year. Uh, I finally went on my own. I borrowed a call from a buddy. I got in a contest, <clears throat> went by myself, sat up in a uh, little orchard with a little hill in front of me, a patch of woods in the bottom, started calling. And before I knew it, 
there's two bright red things coming running right at me. Um, it took me like 10 seconds to even realize what it was. It happened so fast. He came up, one apple row tree in front of me, turned, went to the call, saw that it was a call, said, oh, crap. Tried to run away, and I smacked him with the shotgun at like eight feet. Um, <laughs> I, I, I blew up my buddy's phone at like 2.30 in the morning. And I was so ecstatic. I was like, I finally got one. And from that point on, I was hooked. Um, saved up, bought a entry-level Predator Tactics light and a elusive wildlife headlight. Um, and I'm pretty good at tinkering with stuff. So I uh, found some unbranded flashlights on eBay or Amazon. I can't even remember now. And uh, they were in white. I bought some pre-LED bulbs, soldered them in, figured out what pins to solder to make it so that it didn't have modes, and it just was on and off. Tested them out. They were just as good as my $125 Predator Tactics light, and uh, my the headlight that I came up with was the same idea, and it was uh, just as good as the, the one that I bought. So I was like, well, and everybody said they turned out great. Um, I made it for my dad so he could come along, and they said, you should uh, look into making them. So I, that's how Rad Lights was born. Um, we've come a long way. Those lights were probably 100 to 150 yards of ID, and our new light um, in red, anywhere from 350 to 500, depending on how good your scope is and how uh, the terrain that you're hunting, how much light is going to get bounce back to you obviously if you have more woods and stuff to throw it back at you it definitely looks and looks better and and can bring more light back to your scope the quality of your scope but i can light reflectors up at 900 to a thousand yards all day long with both our headlight and our gun light um <clears throat> we've come through the original lights and then we went through um I found a company that could mass produce and I built them the way that I wanted um, with all the different features that I wanted. And now we're up fast forward to this year. Our gun light is a 66 millimeter head. So it's just as big as a lot of the other top names in the industry has the dimmer knob on the, on the regular cap has a remote dimmer switch that actually can be disconnected to change the batteries. Um, both lights are fully dimmable and zoomable. Um, so they both have rheostat. The headlight has the rheostat on the side. It's zoomable. Um, and the price point, I mean, that's where I, we are a budget friendly company. Um, you know, our gun light kit is $104.99 free shipping. Uh, you get a light halo shield, the clamp, the remote switch two batteries and it only takes one with a dual wall charger. Then our headlight comes with the light halo shield, four batteries. It takes two and they last about three to four hours on high straight runtime. So you can hunt all night with the two sets of batteries and the headlight is eighty four ninety nine. So you can get both of our lights for the price of what a lot of the very big name companies sell just their gun light for and the quality and the performance and the functionality of our light is right there. 
and 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 I'm <laughs> I gotta chime in. I'm biased because Dwayne's a friend, and I've known Dwayne for a couple years now. I live in New York. He lives in Pennsylvania, but it's no BS what Dwayne's saying. Like his his product that he has is right up there with the competitors, and he's not paying. You're you're not paying an arm and a leg for it. And as an entry level on a budget, one hundred freaking percent, um, his product is gonna go right up there and. Tell the test, limited side, lifetime side warranty, side. just like the big guys. If anything goes wrong, other than if you drop it in a lake, run it over with your truck, you know, and I'll still probably help you out just because that's what I do. I had a guy just get a brand new headlight the other day, and he called me, and I guess he was out messing with it, and the dog started doing something, and he started yelling at the dog, and the headlight flipped out of his hand and hit the corner of the concrete on the porch, and shattered well it broke the lens but it was still held together and usable but i just sent him a new lens i mean i was like it happened uh, <laughs> you know no big deal um <laughs> you know i've had a couple of that but you know we we try to do what we can to help people get into the sport um brian i he ordered my lights at first with green and then when i came up to hunt with him and he saw the red uh I think you were like, yeah, I need red, Brian. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you saw the difference in the red and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've been in business now for four years and we're growing every day. I'm looking at doing some more things in the industry as well. Um, when I see a need for something, I like to, like I said, tinker, find ways to build stuff, um, so I'm looking at a lot of guys who run. We were talking about tripods. Um, I'm hoping to be able to come out with a ball head and then have somebody manufacture um, basically like uh, Delrin bushings so you can take the ball, the head off of your bog pod death grip. And with these bushings, they'll line the bolt that will come with the kit center and then you can screw a an actual ball head of your choice or our ball head um right on it and the, the ball everybody i have not used the ball head yet um everybody says they are the bees bees we'll see if i feel like it's a need and there's people out there that want them um you know i think bog is coming out with a uh a ball head version of their uh, death grip or a, a tripod, but I'm sure the price is going to be pretty pricey, you know, up in the upper $200, $300. Um, and if people already have a bog pod, there's an option, you know, so that you can just buy a kit for like, you know, 50, 60 bucks with a ball, with a ball head. And, there you go. You're you're rocking and rolling with an already proven sturdy tripod. Uh, the bog pod. I love them so much that I actually have two, because one's for me and one's for my daughter. Because uh, when she goes hunting, I have to move the tri my legs, and I hate moving them because then I have to try to figure out how to get them back to the right height for me. And uh, so I was like, oh, well, Santa's gonna bring you a bog pod too because she absolutely <laughs> loves predator hunting. Um, she gets mad at me when I don't take her out. Uh, <laughs> so she, she's two for two so far. She killed one last year and she killed one this year off the bog pod at 
what, 75-ish yards and like I'd say 100 to 110. Um, she shot a deer off of her bog pod. Um, just a great entry-level budget. They're like a buck 25 a lot of times on Amazon. Um, I've shot a fox. We actually doubled up on her first her first fox. Um, two came in. I'll never forget it. We I took her out like six times. Didn't see anything. I was starting to get frustrated. Um, I went to a farm where I knew they were. Had her watching the way that they come. Normally, I watch the back door. <clears throat> and I told her, I said, if something comes, I'm not looking towards you. So you need to get a hold of me without talking. And I said, just tug on my shirt. Well, we're calling for about five minutes. And all of a sudden, my shirt is about getting ripped <laughs> off of my body. <laughs> and she's like, there's two. And I said, okay. And she's like, well, which one do I shoot? I said, well, whichever one comes in. And the female ended up coming in first. I said, are you ready? I stopped it. She shot. The male decided to hang out, <clears throat> and she was shaking. So she's like, ah, I don't think I can shoot that one. It was like a buck twenty-five. So I got down on the tripod, set up for her, leaning way down, and she's only 12. And uh, <laughs> and I shot that other one off the bog pod. And uh, I've, I'm a firm believer in spending a little money on a tripod because some of the flimsy – $20 ones, you know, they can, if you're not steady, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm just not steady anymore. And I missed, I think I missed 11 the season before I got my bog pod. And then I went a perfect nine for nine the season with my bog pod. So, and not only that, you got that financial investment sitting on top of whatever tripod that you have and you don't want that going for a tumble. No, exactly. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been a ride and we're growing. Like I said, every day, I think we're up to 1,750 followers. I try to do, <clears throat> I donated probably at least the 12 different hunts, some really big hunts, um, in New York and Ohio, the, the deer ASIC that's coming up. We have a, a headlight and a gun light there. I've donated to, <clears throat> um, people that are doing hunts for firehouses and, um, I just donated today actually to a guy for a, a place that run, raises money for scholarships out in Kansas. Um, so we're small, um, but I do what I can to give back. And I'm very blessed to have the following that I have. And uh, we're trying to grow. And uh, it's not my full-time job. I'm out here trucking six days a week, coming home, building halo shields. I build all the halo shields in-house my i do have to give a shout out to my wife she is a blessing she is the back office person she takes care of all the packaging shipping <clears throat> so if anything gets messed up you can blame her um, <laughs> but uh i i definitely spend my one to two days off a week um dremeling the hard halo shields for the headlight press heating on pressing them on um my wife cuts out the neoprene ones um, and, and she uses a, a heat press to press the logo on. Um, so we, it's a team partnership, but uh, we have uh, lights in a lot of states. And I think we just, I think it was like two weeks ago, we thresholded the uh, $20,000 in sales um, for the first time. Nice work. That's, That's awesome. awesome, bud. And I mean, 
your pro gun mount light is phenomenal. I really like it. It works great. The adjustability is like was I was there was no problem bringing that IR light right in centered with my scope. I mean nothing at yep. all. It was great. And it doesn't move. It doesn't have that wiggle. You can get the same kind of light, uh, clamp or the mount on Amazon, and that's what I had before we came out with ours. Um, and it's very similar, but there is a good bit of play. Like you, there's enough play that at a hundred yards, you can almost move the light completely out of your scope. Uh, and and I run red lights still. Um, I don't have night vision, nor do I think I will get night vision. Um, not a big fan of going from red to that. And sure. I sh I shot a fox in Maryland over the weekend at 225 yards with a 204 with a with a night vision um, a wraith on it and zoomed in that much every little movement again I'm not steady and even on the bog pod and it was just I I killed it but it was uh it definitely took me luckily it was just curled up so taking a nap <laughs> so it, it took me a while to get uh on it and then I'd lose it and then it was a yeah I'm just not a big fan of the looking at a screen I mean, it is definitely something different. I mean, you're not looking through glass. It's it's you're looking at a, t a miniature TV screen. It definitely does take some getting used to. And then we got Mr. Thermal down here. I'm still gonna get. I'm still gonna get him to go out light hunting one of these nights. When I come up there, I'm gonna come up and I'm gonna say, leave that thermal in the. Bring it along for scanning, but but uh, let's let's shoot him with some red lights, man. Let's go back to the good old days. Uh. <laughs> And then, yeah, I, and the other thing is meeting people in this industry. I I met Brian. I don't even remember how did we actually meet. There, uh, if if memory serves me right, there was um, donations being made uh, to raise money for some kid for something. I don't remember what. Yes, and yes. My field staff guy whose house burnt down. That's right. And I saw some, your some some your something like that. You were raising and money, out. and I was like, ah, heck, I'll throw in some game calls. You know, donate them to whoever, and you know, just trying to bring in a few bucks for a good cause. And you could you you, you just recognize good like minded people in need. Yeah, we raised, um, and this is when I was still I was actually in business. <clears throat> and I reached out to a lot of major light brands and Fox Pro. Fox Pro, they've been a lifesaver. They sent my buddy. He just bought a brand new call when his house burnt. And uh, he was a field staff, staffer of mine, like my third field staff guy. And uh, he, uh, his house caught on fire, and his call got burned up. All my lights got burned up. It did not happen because of my lights. <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a, a chimney so fire. Yeah, it was a chimney fire, and uh, good dude, veteran. Um, uh, so I reached out to Fox Pro, and Mike Dillon actually sent him a brand-new Fox Pro Fusion. Um, got some local call makers to make calls. I got, you know, some other big-name lights, and even if I told them, I told everybody exactly who I was, and they had no problem with it. Um, they, they, Everybody in this industry has been great. Um, we ended up raising like $2,600 um, for my buddy. Plus, he got the call, and uh, I replaced all his lights and uh, and all that stuff. So we got him going again. And uh, nice. But, yeah, we met, and then this guy here, he uh, – super hospitality, and his wife, too. we got to put a thank you out to his wife. 
let me come up, stayed the whole weekend, and a uh, guy put me on my first coyote. Probably could have had two, but uh, somebody was sitting down beside me and uh, yeah. didn't see it, and I didn't want to shoot over top of them. And uh, so, but it was a good time. They are definitely way more in shape than me. Lots of walking um, and uh, three degrees outside the whole weekend. And then it snowed. Yeah, it snowed. And then we spent a good time up at a gun club and eating some good alligator and deer and all kinds of good food and just having a good time. Um, So I didn't get to hunt as much as I wanted, but I already had my dog in the truck. So I was more than happy. And I didn't even get to use my light to kill the dog. Yeah, day, day, daytime <laughs> it was calling. That dust. Yep, daytime calling where we got to sit down or kneel down, and and, yep, yep. and uh, I got to see how they do it, which I don't like kneeling down. My knees start to to get tight after you know fifteen minutes of that. My legs fall asleep, yeah. and and standing is also uh, is my my cup of tea. So speaking of calls. Um, Brian, you're a custom call maker. So I got to ask, like, when you're out in the field, are you a hand me call ho- guy? Hunt- oh, go ahead. Let me hop off. I appreciate right. the uh, the invite. This guy, he's he's the expert. I'm He's going to be able to tell you anything you need to know about predator hunting, uh, deer hunting. His calls are awesome. <laughs> I mean, he takes – he'll take care of you. He'll, he'll put all kinds of stuff in them calls. They are just – phenomenal phenomenal calls um he, he just anything you can think of i'm sorry i'm standing there you can't nope. even see me uh anything you can about think of he can do um you know didn't you do some pine cones with resin oh, yeah. and yeah yeah and yeah, yeah. Just, stabilize some pine and, cones there, there, there's, there's not a, just some I'll, crazy I'll design the, uh, so before no. <laughs> before you jump <laughs> all the off, craziness before you jump off dwayne what how do you what how do we find rad lights? What's the website? We're on Facebook, right Facebook, Twitter, and, uh, TikTok as of now. Um, and, uh, our Facebook, just type in rad lights and you'll find us. Uh, the website is for ordering is www.radlightsllc.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, rad lights on all the social media pages and got it got it that's Where'd easy go? uh he had to jump off real quick that's all right oh. um and then, right, well, so people, and then so people know it's rad for rad for rad lights it's yep. rad yep sorry rad and then lights with an s at the end of it llc.com um is the website it's fully functional you can order and Put all your information and pay, and we ship priority mail. So a lot of people really like how fast they get stuff. Um, priority two to three day. How long? How long it took you to get yours? A couple days. A couple days. I think I had it in two days. Like it was there. Yeah. It was there way quicker than I thought. And it would ship. I think you had it shipped the very next day. Yep, we usually ship the next day as long as it's uh, doable. Some some days my wife works while the post office is. Uh, we even get stuff out the same day if 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 it's a day that my wife is home, because um, she's part time. So if it's a day that she's home and you order by by three p.m. Eastern, a lot of times she'll take it right to the post office then. 
Very nice. You know, but his Brian's calls, like I said, they're great, and they uh, it's not just some crazy uh, <laughs> weird design that looks looks amazing. He fit, he makes them fit your hand. Um, very ergonomical that way. There's a big word for you, Brian. <laughs> I, I always joke with Brian. He has these big words that I sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a lawyer when he says some of these. Yeah. Um, what is that I, one I, word? I may look blue collar redneck, but I'm educated blue collar redneck. <laughs> makes me There's one word or one term you use a lot, and I and I I've said to you about it before, and I can't remember what it is now. Remember the last time we were talking? It's some big word. I'm like, man, you got to start speaking and and dumb to me or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, super good symbiotic. dude. Um, it was symbiotic. That was it. That was it. See, he just uses these words in like <laughs> everyday conversations, and I'm like, when you ask Colin Nass if I want to do this podcast, I, I'm not much of a speaker, and I, I've talked to Brian enough that when I'm listening to him, I feel like I'm in college. And I'm listening to a professor. So, but he's still a fun, down-to-earth dude, and and very, and he does. He lives backwards. Like, I mean, you have a tractor, and you have what? You have your own sawmill, and and all that. Like, and yeah. he'll, and it's not new stuff. It's it's old, needs work, and fixing it, and and everything. And he's a he's a all-around guy, but. He will teach you anything you need to know, and you guys need to have him back on for another, you know, I mean, he is a game call expert, and that's in lots of different areas, uh, not Thanks, just bro. predators, you know, so. All right, guys, have a good night. I appreciate you, it. You too. Thanks for joining us, Wayne, and then everyone else. Remember, Red Lights, um, all the information's here. I'll put some links up on the on the podcast as well, so. Yep, radlightsllc.com. So, see you, Brad. Safe travels, bud. Be safe. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You know, for someone who says he's not a talker. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dwayne's always fun to chat with. You know, it's... uh, Life's been really hectic lately with the business and traveling. Um... I don't talk to Dwayne nearly as much as I used to, nor do I talk to him as much as I'd like to recently. Um, but it, it's always fun to catch up with him. He's he, he's he's a he's a good solid dude and just a ge- genuine nice nice person. He's a he's a good human being. And I mean, I reached out to him because I had some questions about his lights, and he uh-huh. was like, "Give me a, and he give me a call. Give me a call." I'm like, all right, shot yeah. him a call. We talked about the podcast quick, and I'm like. Like, give me the rundown of your lights. Give me the whole thing. And from just wanting to, like, knowing that I'm looking at, like, my setup I did as uh, predator hunting isn't my first passion, right? So I didn't yeah. want to have a ton of money wrapped into a night setup, but I wanted to completely understandable. Get, get something way next, like, way better than just that stock IR that came with that rate. So I wanted something, oh, yeah. like, high quality, but the budget guy, I mean, he's like, what are you going to get out? dozen times a year maybe like right, this isn't right, quite, right. like this isn't like this isn't your first priority like what do you, like how much do you want to stick into it and i saw his lights and i saw the reviews and i saw the videos i'm like man this guy's like keeping it like budget friendly for us guys that don't want like like it's not like our first thought when we wake up in the morning we're not like 
let's go shoot some dogs today. Like, yeah. and I, and, <laughs> I mean, and there's like, 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 I, like with how passionate, like you seem like you are about it. And like, I've like seen you on the social media, like, like the numbers you put down, it shows experience to time in. Like, yeah, it, it's just, we, we, I mean, we, we, we've definitely put boots on the ground and spent a lot of time over the years doing what we do. And, you know, obviously we, we, we wouldn't do it if we didn't enjoy it, but we, we definitely right. put time in. And then you got your whole, you got your call line and it's not just predator calls. I mean, right. Like, no, I, I cover on the rundown. Uh, yeah, so uh, basically, like the the, I'll, I'll try to keep the whole long story short. But um, <clears throat> I used to work full time for a municipality. I was the I was the senior most heavy equipment operator for a highway department. I was also the acting working crew leader of the highway department, and I got fed up with the dynamic of public employment and didn't want to do it anymore my wife bless my wife and just like Dwayne said um without the support of my wife i wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing today and she said quit just resign and what am i going to do how am i going to support my end of the bills you know we have two little girls we have a new house that i built and how are we going to make ends meet she's uh she's a school teacher she's tenured um we went on her insurance and that summer I took a hobby of mine and tested the waters and went to a, uh, the Northeast outdoor show down in Dutchess County. I met Peter Fiducia who is known throughout North America as the deer doctor. He blew into my grunt tube and it was, it was a look that I'll never forget when, a man known throughout North America as the deer doctor who has, have you ever heard of the the book, the shooter's Bible guide? Oh yeah. So Peter's written three, if not four of the shooter's Bible guide. And he blew into my grunt tube and he looked like a kid that just opened up his favorite thing. He was looking forward to on Christmas morning. And <laughs> he said, you built this. And I said, yeah, he goes, I get, grunt tubes shipped to me from all over the country from call builders manufacturers and he said this is the most authentic sounding deer call i have ever heard and what a what a pat on my back right so i gave him that call as a gift from me to him and he featured me in two pages of a chapter on authentic whitetail communication and his latest rendition of the shooter's Bible guide. So right off the rip, I felt like I established my credibility in the whitetail calls. And three months into starting my business, I was getting paid by Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, I had a retail line that I was selling within my local field and stream. Uh, present day i'd rather beat my head against the wall than deal with corporate america dick sporting goods so i'm no longer <laughs> selling in dick sporting goods anymore that's um, understandable <laughs> it was uh no hard feelings against anybody but um the contract was about this thick and i'm an independent sole proprietor and the shoe didn't fit so sure couldn't do it, <laughs> but it, it was, it was awesome to hit that credibility three months into my business and sell orders. They were filled, had a reorder that was filled, 
had another reorder that was filled. And then they wanted to me, they wanted me to become a, uh, uh, a regional vendor for Dick sporting goods. And it, it, I'm one dude, I'm one guy. Right. And it, it was too, too, it was too much for one person to carry. Um, went from that, uh, I, I just met, like I said before, just so many good, like-minded, amazing people. And I, 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 it was just, it was perfect timing and this perfect storm of just not being happy. Um, I didn't want to be your statistical municipal employee that was wishing their life away that couldn't wait for retirement. And I didn't want to do it anymore. And just honestly, because of my wife and you know, having the balls to just walk away from almost 20 years of employment with a municipality. It was a, uh, it was a tough decision, but I'm very humbled and it's very gratifying to uh, do something that I enjoy, something that I love. Um, met a great group of guys, Downwind Outdoors, uh, Andy Delavaneri from uh, Downwind Outdoors. He's really like my partner in crime, love him like a brother. And, you know, we, we hunt Illinois every year together uh, they have a phenomenal, phenomenal, and I'm honestly going to say second to none YouTube channel on uh, daytime predator hunting here in northeastern, uh, northeastern New York, uh, up up here in upstate. So uh, that's great credibility that I'm their call builder. Um, I film and hunt with uh, Gus Congemi. Uh, he's the host of Live the Wildlife TV on Sportsman's Channel and the Pursuit Channel. So I've done some filming with them. I've done some hunts with them. Uh, it's 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 awesome exposure for me for the business and content for the show. Exposure for me, and then also collaborated with a gentleman, uh, Dennis Gilmore, and he's got a website, thepredatorhunter.com. And his target audience is the novice. And that's, you know, probably something you want to talk about a little bit more in depth is um, the novice predator hunter getting into the sport, uh, budget friendly. And, and Dennis really hit the nail on the head with, uh, with his website, thepredatorhunter.com on uh, budget friendly, different tactics. And, and he, his goal, something that he told me that I'll never forget. I love it. He wants to go one inch wide and a mile deep with information. So it's just really specific topics and talking about those key topics of, sure. uh, you know, not coyote hunting in general, but coyote hunting during a full moon or coyote hunting during the month of February, like really specific topics. Sure. And then he breaks it down into different articles. So he, he's, he's got some really, really good information that we've collaborated on. Yeah, that's a bit, I mean, it's overwhelming. I mean, I'm, I haven't been doing this very long. I did it a couple, 10, 15 years ago, I got into it and I was doing it pretty hard. I called in a couple of dogs, didn't have the right equipment to ID them real well. I mean, it's full moonlight over lakes trying to like, oh, yeah. lakes in Wisconsin, right? And I'm, yep, I'm like, yep, yep. is that a coyote? Is it not a coyote? Both times I was hesitant, just didn't pull the trigger because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, right? And I've yep. never once claimed to be like, I've never shot a coyote yet. Not out of not out of deer season. Like, that's never right. anything I've ever done. I'm trying, <clears throat> but I'm a, I'm a novice. And that's another reason I wanted to have you on and Dwayne on because, like I said, I wanted a budget-friendly setup that I can get out there and have confidence in to start to build that yeah. to start to build my confidence in this 
Because um, I mean, predator. I mean, you're hunting a predator. I mean, this isn't. Yeah, this it, isn't game. This isn't prey. It, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, for me especially, because I I take I take nothing, I turn it into something, and build a game call out of it to manipulate a wild animal to to do what I want, and I want them to read the script and what what like. What an awesome feeling for me to be able to do it, but it's way more gratifying when I get the phone calls, I get the pictures, I get the feedback. Hey, this is what happened. What should I do different next time? Uh, and just hearing every single breakdown from, you know, guys uh, in New Mexico or South Dakota or Kansas or any anywhere, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I, I really should have taken a, push pin across the country and how many different states i, I think uh I, I shipped multiple international up to alberta um british columbia there, there were definitely some uh out of country uh orders this year and it, it, it's great how the business has just grown over the past couple of years and I, i've only been doing this full time and I'll, I'll say professionally because i'm making a living from doing it right um but you know, it's 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 paying the bills. It's paying the bills, so it's uh, it's definitely when been really gratifying. When you can turn that passion and the hobby into a career, it no longer. I mean, it just makes going to work every day a little easier. It, it, going to work for me, I wake up in the morning and I open the garage door, and I, I literally. <laughs> It sounds corny to say it, but I drive my truck out of the garage, down the driveway to my shop, and park in my backyard in front of my shop. And the only reason that I do that, because if anybody's passing by, oh, Brian's truck's in front of the shop. That means he's home in in, in the shop. And that's the that's the only reason my sure. truck sits there. If anybody wants to stop by, and that, that happens more frequent than not, and then I wind up having BS sessions like this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, your uh, open sign. Putting your truck in front of the shop yeah, is your no, open no, sign. No, no, it's totally just having like a, like a neon open sign, like <laughs> free beer, come on in. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, just, uh, you know, the whitetail calls, um, waterfowl, turkey, uh, you know, Dennis and I we were talking recently and, um, you, you've got a, you've got a, uh, a larger fowl background, if I'm not mistaken, right? Bird Correct. hunting. Correct. That's so, where my back, I mean, I started with waterfowl hunting, which led into upland hunting for grouse specifically. Those, those are really yep. what I chased the most. Okay. Okay. Um, we're actually going to do a little collaboration on this sometime, uh, not too much longer from now, but, um, the dynamics of vocalizations and communicating and calling coyotes, uh, to the novice, if, if, if you took your, your deer hunter and your turkey hunter, both of them are novice going into the predator woods. I would 100% guarantee your turkey hunter is going to make the easier transition to becoming the successful predator hunter just due to the patience level and the dynamics of vocalizations. Sure. Where the deer, the deer hunt, and, and, and honestly, the only difference between the two is this right here. Your deer right. uses its nose, your turkey, uses its vision it uses its audibles and you're really not taking the um the wind into consideration as much but 
as the hunter knowing that you need to take that into consideration but the dynamics of vocalizations and patience of your turkey hunter definitely is going to prove more of a uh, effective method in making that transition i would imagine interesting to hear um, that i mean but it makes it makes sense though i mean there's far more vocalization i mean there's there's deer calls right i mean people use oh yeah 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 but i mean you know like birds there, turkey there's, hunting there's, waterfall yeah um i mean there, there, there's so many different vocalizations that the animal ultimately is going to make and like the clicking of a buck the grunting of a buck the tending buck of a grunt the tending grunt of a buck and you know when to use these calls the different times of year you should do them when you should get aggressive with them and it's 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 also knowing like the dynamic of how the actual species operates throughout the course of time through the progression of the season um i mean coyotes in general right now i mean we we uh what makes us killers and makes us so successful chasing coyotes is our patience level and something i think i said before our trigger discipline to not shoot and how much time we've spent having a visual watching the animal watching what it does in its natural environment how do they respond how do they respond to an audible stimulus and basically you know from one of the seminars that i did um ex explaining it this way where you have an audible stimulus and how is that animal going to react to that particular audible stimulus? And we're, we're target, targeting coyotes in this example. So it, my opinion, and I don't even want to say it's my opinion, but I want to say fact of the matter, because this is something we watch over and over and over and over. And like I said before, if you can do something repetitively, you add so much statistical validity with this is how it works you contact the animal audibly. So the first thing the first thing that happens is you start the conversation audibly. They hear it. You pique their interest and they break the sanctuary of cover. Wherever they're coming from, they heard you. Now the second thing that happens is they heard it, now they want to see it. You had sure. a diligent approach, you got to an area where you have a topographical advantage whether it's daytime or nighttime. So that animal is now going to break the sanctuary of cover. It heard you. Now it wants to see you. So the number one thing that you need to keep in mind when hunting the animal is which way is the wind blowing? And if you watch any Joe the Pro on YouTube, in your opinion, Brad, what are they going to tell you? Which way does the wind need to be blowing? If you want to be you, successful, which way do you think the wind should be blowing? Away from you. I mean, you because that, well, from everything I've read and seen, they're going to try to get downwind of you. Correct. Correct. So, so I mean, would, if, would you, if I was going to be set, like, and now I'm a novice, I really don't know what I'm doing. Okay. I'm going to try, I'm going to probably try to play more of like a crosswind scenario, knowing that they're going to try to get downwind of me, giving me enough, giving me visibility. That, that is, that's one of the best answers I could ever possibly get. I, I, I hear way too often. I watch way too often. And I just type in just random YouTube. And the one thing that I 
it's like really poor unsolicited advice where I hear somebody say, you never want to hunt with anything but the wind hitting you in the face. If the wind's hitting you in the face, you have this and everything forward in your field of view. I don't have eyes in the back of my head. In right. the order of instinct of what I was saying before, you audibly communicate, you start the conversation. If they don't, they heard it, now they want to see it. Now they don't see it, but you've piqued that interest, they're going to want to smell it. So if the wind's hitting me in the back of the head and blowing straight out in front of me, that's probably not a great thing, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Because the what I just said was they heard it. Now they want to see it. Now instinctually, they're going to want to smell it. So your goal as the hunter is where do I expect the coyote to come from? If it's going to come out of the habitat that's at 12 o'clock in front of me, that's probably a bad idea for me to set <laughs> up and call here because nothing good's going to happen. Now, if my habitat is over here at 10, 11 o'clock and I have this wicked open pasture field directly in front of me with nothing and I can see deer feeding to my right, I can see bedded deer down here. I love seeing deer when I'm calling because those are extra sets of eyes in the field. If they get up and move, they're getting up and moving for a reason. If I'm sure. calling and there's deer 250, 300 plus yards away, they're not leaving. They're going to stay. Deer are doing deer things. Coyotes do coyote things. And believe it or not, they coexist in the same habitat. They, they, they don't live in harmonious environments. They don't sleep in the same bed, but we'll see coyotes mousing in the same field that deer are feeding it. It happens sure. more frequently than you'd believe. They're not in real close proximity to each other, but within a couple hundred yards, all the time. All the time we'll see something like this. So seeing deer in the field is great in my opinion, because it's another set of eyes to give you an indication that something could potentially be coming. Cause if those deer are running, they're running for a reason, look behind them. <laughs> Now, in that scenario where the wind's hitting you in the back of the head, it's blowing out into this open pasture field, but you got this wicked thick habitat off to your 10, 11 o'clock. So that order of instinct of survival for what happens with the animal, you contact them audibly, you pique their interest, then they want to see it. You were you had a diligent approach. You have a topographical advantage. That animal breaks the sanctuary of cover. It doesn't see you. Now it wants to smell you. So what that animal does on the regular basis is it's going to cut distance on you, but it's also cutting distance on your downwind. So call it like a 30 degree angle, 40 degree angle, not necessarily a straight diagonal towards you, but it's going to go closer to the downwind, cutting distance on the downwind, but also cu cutting distance on you a little bit. That's your broadside ethical shot. Sure. You can stop the dog. You can put the crosshairs on the shoulder. And that's where you drop the dog. Sure. Every time. Every time. And that and that's typically how it works out. Now, the variable, the one thing that you need to prepare for is that one coyote that throws away that survival instinct and just commits to the call and comes bulldozing out of that habitat and just runs right towards you and completely disregards the survival instinct. 
that's going to be the variable. But statistically, what's going to happen the majority of the time is you contact them audibly. They don't they hear it and then then they don't see it. Then they're going to want to smell it. So then you can hunt that diagonal when they want to try to get downwind. So I, I think the biggest key thing to say is. It's not necessarily which way the wind is blowing, but be prepared for the animal to move in the direction of the downwind and make sure you can shoot the downwind. But as long as your wind is not blowing into the habitat where you expect the animal to come from, that's going to lead to more success. And that makes sense. I mean, you you have to play the wind to your advantage. And that's not yeah. just keeping your sets out of a certain area. That also can be setting up. Now, again, take it with a grain of salt. But from what I've been reading and even like hunting like birds, right? Like waterfall, yeah. like you yep, yep. use use that wind to your advantage. And I know they I think the saying always is if the wind's in your face, you're in the wrong place, which is pretty accurate. But I mean, there's a lot yeah. of times I there's a lot of times I intentionally hunt a crosswind, especially if there's low cover. Because I want the birds looking at the decoys, and if they're landing to like from my three to nine o'clock, they're no longer staring directly at me, giving me a better advantage. So right. the same thing with like what you're saying with the predator hunting, play the wind to your advantage, keep it out of where you think they're bedded, where their habitat is. But right. if you can put an open shooting area downwind, thinking they're going to go that way, that's going to set you up for a better shot than trying to shoot through a thicket. Oh, 100 percent. And, you know, th th this 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 is something else that I'm explaining from a nocturnal nighttime point of view, as, as you know, we're, we're 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 hunting in the sanctuary of darkness. And something I said sure. before is that animal has such a false sense of security in the dark. It, it, it's mind blowing what we get away with at night. Like we uh, something I said before, we had we had a full moon. With snow on the ground, we cut distance, we got out into the middle of a cut cornfield. I could look at Andy like I can look at you right now on my <laughs> iPhone. And, and like, how can you get away with this? I howl, we hear a response, I kai-eye, we hang out and wait, and here comes a coyote all the way across this thousand, this thousand yard field in just topographical features, edges. We typically know just because of time and experience of boots on the ground, where coyotes are going to come in and out and travel in and out of these fields. And, and that's just going to come with time and experience. But how can you get away with this? It like blows my mind. Here he comes on the edge of the topographical feature, just a little roll in the hill, stays right on the edge of it, works around the edge, and comes right to us to like 80 yards. That coyote stopped because it heard Andy's gun go click when the safety came off that's how close it was <laughs> I, I mean it's it, it's it's just mind-blowing and who who would have thought i mean i came off of the scope and i could see the coyote and then i went back on the scope and i'm like and this is one of the first times we did it and then we did it sure. over and over and over and over it's like it's unbelievable, but just having that diligent approach to get into the stand to be able to pull that off, you're not you're not going to be able to pull it off if you have visuals and it's crunchy as heck on the ground. I mean, common sense dictates they're going to hear you coming from a mile away. Right. <coughs> right. Um, 
and and so as i said before this this is really targeting just nighttime now something really important i think to bring up is uh daytime hunting and if you're a left-handed or right-handed shooter and how you're going to position yourself you know typically daytime i mean this this is just us you know uh the environment that we hunt in in the northeast and upstate new york with you know some rolls of hills and i'll, I'll compare new york to illinois kansas midwest agricultural tracks i'm making up numbers here but we have a couple few acres of agriculture to 50 to 100 acres of habitat, cover, timber. Polar opposite in the Midwest, where you have 50 to 100 acres of agriculture to a couple few acres of habitat, cover, timber. So right. northeast, uh, the eastern coyote, hunting the eastern coyote is more like playing... Uh, whack-a-mole where are they going to pop out of and you got to be sure. prepared for where they're going to pop out of and being very uh conscientious of which way that downwind is blowing makes it that much harder. my opinion makes it that much harder for hunting the eastern coyote because of the demographic that we're in and you know me being a uh, a right-handed shooter swinging a gun to my left side is going to be my strong side now right. if i position myself facing the habitat off to my left and i have a crosswind i have to move my whole entire lower body to get on that coyote if i'm at a sitting seated position if i'm shooting a bipod not a standing tripod but a bipod off of my gun so hunting a crosswind i'll typically aim as a right-handed shooter with that barrel of the gun pointed relatively in the downwind area not necessarily right at the habitat because like i said before if that coyote busts out of the habitat instinctually it's more than likely going to be working its way towards the downwind which is basically coming to my barrel sure but i'm all but i'm also prepared for that variable of that coyote that just breaks the sanctuary of cover disregards its sense of security commits right to the call and i'm already on my strong side Sure, absolutely. And waterfowl hunters should be able to pick that up pretty quick. Like that same yeah. scenario, because we do that field hunting all the time. Like I don't ever put my layup lines facing directly where I want the geese to land or I'm planning on calling them into. I put them at a slightly 45 degree angle towards like two o'clock because I exactly. only can swing so far to my left, especially if it's just me or one other guy or like just a lot of times I hunt solo. I can only swing so far to my left and I can, if they slide to my right uh, yep. or slide to the left, I, I mean, now I can't, now I don't even get an opportunity. Yeah, it, or I'm it, sorry, it, to, it's, my it's right, to my right, to my application. Yeah. Same thing. Like, yep. so I mean, yep. a lot very, of these, very, very similar. So like for the guys that are just trying to get into this, that have experience hunting like waterfowl or ducks or even guys that sit in a deer blind and they have their gun set up so like they can, make sure they can get the entire swing of where they're going to be hunting. I mean, all of these same things play right into how you're going to set up for predator hunting. Oh, totally. Totally. You, you know, I, I, I didn't make that correlation before, but it, it's, it's, it, it's the complete same scenario to, you know, have the same end result of success in the end. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's just one of those variables that you have to think that plays not only 
for like possible like weir waterfall hunters or your deer hunt i mean it's a, just another varial that you have to take into consideration when you're trying to set up on the habitat where you're calling oh yeah you know and, and like you know i i never thought of this correlation before either but it's like setting your deer decoy up directly at 12 o'clock in front of you with travel paths wind direction how you're going to posture that decoy where you want that decoy to face but where your tree is and where your tree is in stand is not at 12 o'clock right behind the deer as a right-handed shooter i'm probably going to put it at like two o'clock on the tree right comfortable seated i'm right-handed do i stand when i'm shooting or do i sit when i'm shooting it doesn't matter because i'm still at full draw at that angle of where the decoy is same exact exact scenario right and they're just i mean it's it's just more of that like learning curve all the way through i mean it goes for all the different types of hunting i mean you're going to make mistakes everyone makes oh, mistakes sure. setting up wrong and everything like that the one for thing sure. that i'm the one thing i'm struggling with still and it makes it's probably the silliest part of it all but it's probably brings the most true you got to hunt where there's coyotes yeah you know um spoke with uh had a couple phone calls recently and one, one one of the kids called me up uh out of state he was from pennsylvania he's, he's been using my calls just this season and he had a question and asked do you think it's worth my time going out to try to locate coyotes at night two days before a contest because they're entered into a contest and i said that's not that, that can't be wasted effort at all but I said, what your best scenario is going to be is put boots on the ground, go in there late morning, midday, go for a walk and find corners, find hedgerows, find tractor paths, find human made paths, snowmobile trails. Uh, do you have snow on the ground right now? The answer was yes. Do you have state groomed snowmobile trails? Do you have gas lines? Are there roadways cut? Go for a walk. Go for a walk. Look for the tracks. Find the most congestion of tracks. And something as simple as that is going to tell you a lot. Uh, sure. Agricultural districts, uh, livestock. Um, it sucks to say it, but it happens. Uh, there's always a loss of life on cattle farms. Every cattle farm is going to have a cow pile somewhere. Uh, you got permission on a cow farm. You have a permission on any sort of agricultural track of land. If you already have the permission, take the extra couple of minutes, find the landowner, find out where the cow pile is. They're there. They're, they're there. Right. We, we, we call this the dead of winter for a reason. And during the dead of winter, what and where are those animals feeding on? And sure. that, that's going to be a huge, huge indication that can be in your advantage. And that make, I mean, they're going to want the easiest meal possible, right? Most, most game for the least amount of spent energy. I mean, they'd yeah. much rather go chew on a dead cow that's frozen because they can still rip flesh off a frozen cow. I mean, that's not going to stop oh, for anything sure. I've ever seen, not any type oh, of predator sure. I've ever come across. So no. are they going to rather go to that or try to, chase that rabbit that's screaming at him from somewhere it's it's uh what's more cost effective for i mean the the, the coyote's a hunter it's a predator it's also a scavenger right and, and you know it, it, <laughs> i'll i'll argue with anybody all day long um 
the coyote is regardless of how it got here how it expanded across the country it's here it's not going anywhere it's part of our ecosystem but it is a very important part of our ecosystem and they serve a functional purpose the, the, the animal totally serves a functional purpose within our ecosystem but it's it's not that 45 50 pound class coyote that we've been shooting i want that 2021 edition that 2022 edition that's going to be born next year i want them out in the fields mousing and mousing and mousing and mousing and they're serving a functional purpose they're a land shark but it's also you know a numbers game and um uh coexisting with that species of animal and when do you reach that point of enough is enough and i mean what we're watching with the thermals we went out in one night you know one unforgettable night last year and we saw over 100 coyotes in one night and and believe i mean we did we didn't call that many in but having species identification based upon body language of deer do deer things coyotes do coyote things Every single coyote on earth has ADD and they zigzag all (laughs) over the place through a field and they can't hold a steady line to save their life. Based upon body language, we saw over 100 coyotes in one night and and it it, it blows our mind what we're able to see when the lights go out with the technology that we have. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, having just that entry level thermal changes so many things like it's huge. It's it's and it's just a completely different eye opening experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when, when we, when we started getting into it, playing with them, uh, you know, you know, I, I always justified it with, um, I look at the price per hour of entertainment that I have with this one piece of equipment and I don't have a boat. I don't have a motorcycle. I don't have an ATV, a snow snowmobile. I don't have any of these other extracurricular activity toys. I have this instead. And the price per sure. hour of entertainment that I have with it is probably cheaper than any of those other items that I listed off on an annual basis. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So. I mean, it, it's, it's pricey, but I mean, if you, oh, yeah. like, if, but if you're a predator hunter, like if that's something it may not, may not, may not be your main passion, like say your main passion is deer hunting, but like once that season's closed, like your mind is, it, it, all right, we're chasing dog, and you do it hard. Yeah, I mean, you, you it, know, it's like easily worth that investment. You, you know, the, the other thing with um, the versatility that that platform can be used for, if you had a QD mount and you wanted to take the scope sure. on and off the gun, or if you had the financial investment for a thermal monocular, finding the turkey roost, white-tailed deer recoveries, looking for deer in the field so you can just get into stand. Right. And... and you know, point A to point B, I know where my tree stand is. I can get there in the dark because I've done it a million times. Are there or are there not deer in my way? If there's deer in your way, it may take me 500 yards instead of 200 yards to get to my stand. But I kid you not, you stay 100 yards away from the deer in the field in the dark. They don't run. Sure. So, I mean, just just, just having, that, having that thermal equipment to use at your advantage and so many different versatile platforms instead of just predator hunting is an absolute game changer for success i'll be honest the first thing i did was look around my house and how good how good it was insulated 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, when, when we went to uh, when we were in Texas, we went on that West Sand Hill crane hunt. We were just finishing finishing setting up the A frame, got all the decoys out. Daybreak is almost there, and you can hear these birds lift off of the roost in in unison. And I turn on the monocular and I look and I go, "Oh my God!" And the the sky was just white with heat signatures. And you you couldn't pass that monocular between eleven guys fast enough because everybody was grabbing it like just just looking at the sky and just in disbelief of how many birds came off of that roost. It was it was crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, man, you're just a wealth of knowledge. We're gonna. We're, We'll definitely have, you're going to have to come back on another time and we'll have to like I'd, I'd pick, love to, pick, but and we'll have to pick a topic and focus. Cause I mean, there's just so much wealth and knowledge here and like with the different calls you have and all that. No, I, um, uh, I, I had fun, you know, it's, it's hard for me to stay, uh, focused on topic when we really just didn't have a topic to discuss because just predator hunting in general is just, oh no. it's, it's like, it's broad. It's, 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 it's a broad topic to discuss. And everybody that's been listening to my show, my followers, they know it's all over the place. I mean, I don't pick a topic. <laughs> I just let the show go where it goes. I mean, if we would have went into a complete on the whole thing about Sandhill crane hunting, cause you just did it. I'd have just let it flow. Cause it's just two guys sitting around talking, sharing experiences. Oh yeah. And stories. No, th 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 this was fun. This was fun. I appreciate the time. Um, before I want to give you a little bit here, let everybody know how they can find you, let them know how they yeah. can like look up your calls, whatever you have for social media. I mean, have at it, promote yourself. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, uh, my name is Brian Rush. Uh, my website is www.rushcustomcallers.com uh, on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, my email address is also able to be found on that website. Uh, if I could also plug my buddy Casey Cornwell, he's uh, he owns Nuggets Night Vision. We're using his thermal equipment. Um, he's based out of Illinois, and Casey's a good friend of mine, and definitely he's been getting a lot of business from uh, good like-minded friends here in upstate New York, uh, watching what we're doing and the numbers that we're putting down using the equipment that he's providing us with. Uh, I didn't tell you, but we took... Uh, 111 coyotes last year in three months. We, wow. we really focused our attention when our deer season closed, and we basically put probably 100 of those 111 down in about three months' time. So we, we were going amazing. out almost every night. <laughs> I mean, what, what, I'm, I'm assuming your goal was 100 for the season. Was that a goal you guys set and you just pushed hard to get it? We, we, we actually – we actually set three goals. Uh, first goal was to kill tripod. He was a, a three-legged coyote <laughs> who was not, not from our doing, but he was just an elusive little SOB that finally we got him. Killed tripod. We wanted to kill our unicorn, which I was referring to a 50-pound-plus coyote. And last week into the season, I shot a 51.4-pound eastern coyote and 100 so we hit all three goals last year that's awesome that's awesome so it's uh it, we, we definitely uh we definitely try not to suck at what we do we have a lot of fun <laughs> at what we do and uh 
like I said before, just having the trigger discipline to not shoot everything that we've been watching and learning and teaching ourselves is uh, def definitely, definitely made us a lot more educated and uh, um, effective in the field today. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what, I mean, it all comes down to experience, especially when you're hunting something that that's a hunter itself. I mean, that experience, yeah. is, the, that experience is what sets it apart. Definitely. Definitely. Now, I remember, I remember the old days just sitting out in the field with a, with a hand call and a light or just hunting all over the full moon and having a goal of 12 coyotes every year. And if I hit that goal, I was excited. And still, I, you know, I pat guys on the back all the time that, you know, they have a, you know, goal like that especially in our demographic it's it's hard it's really difficult well man i really appreciate you being on um thanks again i mean you i mean you left it off your website is there any social media you want to list off we got a guy sidetracked again i mean that's kind of how yeah. i am too so. <laughs> uh, no, I, th I think i mentioned um you know my my my, my personal uh, Brian Rush on Facebook, okay. but I also have my business page, Rush Custom Callers, on Facebook and on Instagram, um, and through the website, uh, RushCustomCallers.com. And any contact information that you need, uh, same thing that Dwayne said. I think uh, I have all all the list of the game calls that I build for sale uh, through a Shopify account. So anything uh, that I wanted to be picked out, purchased, goes right through that. I get the email notification and something I. I didn't even mention. Um, I'm still old school. I hand build everything in my shop with a wood lathe. I don't have a replicator, duplicator. I'm still handcrafting and building everything with caliper measurements with eyes and hands. Awesome. I, I think um, I think that truly truly defines the word custom. Agreed. And I'm gonna go out on a limb saying you're probably making all your own tone boards and everything as well. Tone boards? Um, no. Nope. No, I actually okay. found a company that I've been very, very, very happy with, uh, with tone board quality, sound and longevity. Uh, one of, one of the reads with the rabbit squealer distress call. Uh, so you getting sidetracked again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I referred to it as BPMs beats per minute. So okay. when the read goes up, and down it's the vibration that actually makes tone that's what's making sound is the vibration so when you look at one of those little one of these guys one of these little tiny reeds sure inside of a distress call how many times that little reed is slapping up and down off of that tone board gets really 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 aggressive it's a moving part moving parts can fail moving parts can break uh the only one that i've ever seen break took eight years wow. to, act to actually fail and i'll call that a success any I, I day of agree. the week especially with one of these to fail after that much time with that much aggression um but no i i have built custom calls uh uh as requested for matching inserts with tone boards cutting the own reads uh if there's read failures any game call that I build, the reads are replaceable. So okay. nothing's pressed in where the buyer could not press a read out and then I would ship a new read. So it's uh, that none of the game calls are one and done. So you're paying for that financial investment of a beautiful handcrafted game call 
if it starts to sound like crap after years, when the saxophone goes bad, when the clarinet goes bad, you don't <laughs> throw it out, you replace the reed. Sure. No, that makes sense. No, that that's good to know. And it's great. To, I mean, it's awesome. You're still hand turning them on our lathe. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Yep. No, it's, uh, it, it's, it's messy. It's fun. I invested in plenty of, uh, PPE safety equipment, dust collectors, masks, glasses. So, Oh, that, that's fun. a huge part of it, man. I mean, there, I mean, I've known a couple of not personally, but I mean, through the waterfall stuff, I have friends that have done competition calling stuff like that. I've, I've met guys that were turning yep. for years that started to get allergies to like, especially those exotic woods. Like PPEs, there's, a big thought yeah, yeah, that's uh, th th there's there's definitely some exotic species of wood that I use that I won't even touch them until I take my dust collector, the filter bag, clean everything out, so I've got perfect ventilation in my work environment before that stuff's emitted into the air. Definitely, yeah, I mean it. It's something like it's something people I never would have thought of without talking to them, but just how. I don't want to call it toxic, but I almost say toxic. Some of these like unique exotic oh, sure. woods are. Yep. Yep. Definitely. When you're turning definitely. it, when you're turning it, not when you're using it. Oh like, yeah. Once when, it's when, when, it's, when it's friable in the air. Right. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want people to yeah. think be like, cause I know, I know some of that's got a reaction <laughs> to Coca Bolo now. And I'm like, I love Coca Bolo. I love the way it looks. My predator calls. Oh God. Yeah. Beautiful. But, but I mean, he can't turn it anymore cause he gets an allergic reactions, but I'm not going to have an allergic reaction from a fully tuned call, everything like that. So I don't want that to get out there where people are right, like, right, right, right. Oh my God, I can't have exotic wood. I can't put that. Yep. No, it's nothing like that. It's during the manufacturing process. It changes. Oh, a hundred percent. When that's friable in the air. I mean, my, my, uh, I, I did some, uh, some demolition drywall work with a buddy of mine. Who's a contractor. If he needs a second set of hands, if I'm free in the day, I'll help him out. And I came home and my little girl, I was, clean but i had the same sweatshirt on i sat on the couch and my six-year-old laid up against me and when she sat up the whole side of her face she must have had an allergic reaction to maybe just some of that dust that was on my shirt and the whole side of her her face had this red rash on it oh. so yeah it's uh who knows what you're gonna have a reaction to for sure well, as we got sidetracked again, I mean, I, this episode yeah. is two hours long if I'm not careful. So um, we're going to bring you back on eventually for sure. Might not be a back-to-back -back episode thing, but eventually we're definitely going to have you back on and we're going to we're gonna dive more deep into different calls and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, um, you know, next time we'll, you know, try to, try to you know, pick an actual like good in-depth topic of conversation instead of something so broad because I know I like to ramble. <laughs> so, absolutely. Well, again, I really appreciate you coming on, Brian. I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in again, and we're going to sign it off. So until next time, keep chasing that experience. Thanks for tuning Thanks in a to lot, another Brad. killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler button, and app just makes for a better time on the water. 
and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com. 